crypto-locking malware leaves, doctor's practice is empty, and could the blockchain, built for Bitcoin, be used to protect our identities? These stories and more, coming up on the ISMG Security Report. Hi, I'm Matthew Schwartz. Please note we are currently experiencing an outage in our cloud-hosted environment. We are working to restore service as soon as possible. That's the message from Allscripts, which suffered a crypto-locking ransomware attack against data centers in North Carolina one week ago that left its cloud-hosted electronic patient record and scheduling services inaccessible. Allscripts says 1,500 of its customers are affected. Unfortunately, those customers are hospitals and physicians' practices, who collectively store records on 7 million Americans that list essential information, including records of past care and their medications. Cue widespread cancellations, including at the pulmonary physicians in Canton, Ohio. Dr. George Kefalis tells ABC News 5 in Cleveland that his practice's waiting rooms are empty because it's unable to access any records for its 8,500 patients. It has prevented us from being able to to see patients in the office. Allscripts says it was hit by a ransomware variant known as SamSam. Thankfully, the organization has complete backups and is in the process of restoring them. But such restorations can be slow, laborious efforts, as the days-long record and scheduling outage for its customers continues to demonstrate. Marianne McGee, ISMG's executive editor in charge of healthcare info security, tells me that many providers and customers need to do a better job of preparing to deal with these kinds of ransomware attacks. For the companies that provide cloud services the risk to the data centers is pretty high for those organizations that are depending on these services. So when a ransomware attack does impact a data center, if it's a cloud provider, it could be many, many more organizations than just the organization that was attacked. In the case of Allscripts, there were hundreds of customers that were impacted with that ransomware attack. Organizations in the healthcare sector are not the only ones being targeted. Last year, Ransomware attacks increased by 93% across all businesses and was the top threat facing businesses from an online attack standpoint, according to Adam Kujawa, Director of Malware Intelligence at security firm Malwarebytes. From a business standpoint, the number one, the biggest threat, especially near the end of the year, was ransomware. And that only really changed near the very end of the year when we started seeing cyber criminals utilize things like banking trojans, hijackers, adware, instead of just pushing ransomware. Near the end of the year, however, the world went cryptocurrency crazy. Adam says that led to a decline in ransomware attacks, as many cybercrime groups retooled to try and infect systems not with ransomware, but rather with malware designed to mine cryptocurrency, which they could then convert into cold, hard cash. But even though ransomware may be slightly down, Adam tells me you can't counted out. I would never say ransomware is ever going to be going away completely. It is a, a genius uh, attack. It focuses directly on extorting money from the victim. There's no third party sale that has to be made. There's nothing like that. It's just, hey, you want your files back, give me back money. It's simple. And that's amazing about it. It's never going away. It may be taking a brief hiatus. I still don't think we're going to see a complete stop of distribution of ransomware, just not as heavy. Probably. I mean, that's really what we observed near the end of the year and are observing into 2018. Will that maintain? Will that stay the same? Probably not. I almost guarantee by the middle of the year, either there'll be some kind of new threat that makes us all 
forget about ransomware and, and why we wish the days of ransomware were back because this is so horrible. Or ransomware is going to come back with some new tricks. Almost always happens. After the break, we look at how U.S. data breaches have hit an all-time high and hear how the blockchain built for Bitcoin could one day help protect our identity information. You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news. Next, we hear from ISMG's managing editor, Jeremy Kirk. Technologists are wrangling with an identity puzzle. Is it possible to create a single digital identity that can be seamlessly and securely used at a bank, a hospital, and even with consumer websites? It's the holy grail of identity. The way identity information is collected and stored today is not only inefficient, but risky. Hackers have had astounding success targeting centralized stores of personal data, as Equifax's breach showed. Many see the future of identity in the use of blockchain technology. It's the distributed computing network and ledger that verifies the transfer of a Bitcoin from one computer to another. Blockchain is the technology industry's latest term de jour lately. That's in part due to the meteorotic rise in the price of Bitcoin, which has elevated a once obscure distributed computing technology to a market mover. But blockchain has appealing traits for identity. Rather than lodging a virtual currency transfer, it's possible to embed identity information in the ledger. The broad vision is a blockchain could be a tamper-proof reference point to verify personal data without having to expose it to a service provider. Consumers would be in control of their identity information, which is a concept referred to as self-sovereign identity. That reduces the chance that a data breach would spill their details all over the internet. But analysts say it'll be years, if not decades, before blockchain-like technologies may be used for identity at scale. Martha Bennett is a principal analyst with Forrester who's been studying blockchain for three years. When I talk to people who really understand what blockchain-based technology is about, they will, be, will quite openly say, we're talking 10, 20-year time frames here. <laughs> and we really are talking about a lot of need, um, pieces that... And, need to be aligned. The blockchain behind Bitcoin is aimed at solving one problem, and that's ensuring that a Bitcoin isn't spent twice or the double spend problem. Bitcoin's blockchain doesn't care which parties are exchanging virtual currency, where they live, when they were born, or whether they've been convicted of fraud before. That's where using blockchain for identity gets sticky. It may be a virtual stone tablet to record data, but it doesn't solve the main problem around identity. Are you who you say you are? For a blockchain-enabled system, entities would have to vet, say, someone's passport to ensure it's legitimate. That information could then be put on a blockchain in an obfuscated format for other parties to check. But the parties checking the information also have to trust the entity that vetted it. Aviva Leighton is a vice president and distinguished analyst at Gardner. She says federated identity projects have become stuck in the past over who is responsible for vetting and who is liable if it's fraudulent. The issue's always been I have one identity and I can use it wherever I go. I can use it to file taxes. I can use it to open a bank account. I can use it to log into Facebook. I can do whatever I want with it. But to do that, somebody has to verify I'm really me and it becomes a liability issue if they get it wrong. Even if the business issues around blockchain trust are ironed out, there are long-running access management problems that blockchain doesn't solve, such as key management. People need to prove they own their identity information using some form of private digital signature, either embedded in an ID card or stored electronically. Many governments have successful digital ID programs that do this. 
but using a blockchain to store information doesn't make the administration of those systems any easier. Ivan Nikolai is a blockchain and identity management researcher who works as a senior security architect with the security consultancy Zimbani. The, the Googles and the Facebook of the world, you know, they would love to to just not have to have to deal with governments demanding personal data because they want to reassure their users. But they've been trying to solve this issue of key management for ages, and they haven't because you know simply <laughs> keeping a private key somewhere. Either you have to be technical ca- technically capable of storing it and not losing your own key, otherwise people are locked out eternally. But it's still early days for blockchain, and there are a variety of projects underway around the world that experts are watching closely. But if your enterprise is looking at blockchain, keep in mind that while the technology may be hot, the application is complex. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Jeremy Kirk. Finally, bad news on the data breach front. The annual number of U.S. breaches has hit an all-time high. So says the Identity Theft Resource Center, a U.S. nonprofit organization set up to help ID theft victims. Well, in 2017, ITRC counted 1,579 separate breaches. That's a 45% increase from the breaches it saw in 2016. In 2017, the business sector again topped the charts, accounting for more than half of all reported breaches. Next up, with about a quarter of all breaches, was the medical and healthcare sectors. And that was followed by financial services. About 1 in 10 breaches hit the financial sector, including banking and credit. Across all breaches, hacking was listed as the top breach vector, accounting for 60% of all breaches. And the top two hacking techniques disclosed by organizations that got breached were phishing in the first instance, as well as malware attacks, including ransomware. Other interesting findings, nearly 20% of the breaches included credit and debit card information. In addition, 830 of last year's breaches led to a total of nearly 158 million social security numbers being exposed. Unfortunately, these numbers are a bare minimum. Many organizations, when they issue a breach notification, fail to say exactly how many victims there may have been, how many credit cards may have gone missing, how many social security numbers may have been exposed. But with the year-on-year increase in breaches that we're seeing, if our personal information hasn't yet been exposed in a breach, then probably before too long, it will be exposed possibly multiple times over. That's the ISMG Security Report. Our theme is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Matthew Schwartz. Catch you next time.